Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of The Power of Books. My name is Timo Jübner, I'm the founder of Timo's Notes and every week I will interview popular non-fiction authors about their best-selling books. The goal of the show is to introduce you to new books, provide you with helpful advice and practical tools and to give you a glimpse behind the scenes of the book and beyond its contents. My guest today is Bob Berg. Bob is the co-author of multiple books, but most importantly, the best-selling business fable, The Go-Giver, which we'll also talk about today. To connect Go-Givers from all across the globe, Bob has also founded the Go-Giver Community Network, which is an online business community for Go-Givers. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the five stratospheric laws of success, how to find a mentor, and a lot more. So now let's get right into our conversation. Enjoy the show. So Bob Berg, welcome to the Power of Books podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today and I'm happy to have you on. Oh, thank you, Timo. Pleasure to be with you. So your book, uh, The Go-Giver, your best-selling book that you wrote together with John David Mann, it's actually a business parable and that's one of my favorite genres because it combines great storytelling, which makes a book fun and easy to read with awesome practical advice. So that's why I love your book so much. Yeah, thank you so much. So the book is all about turning from a go-getter into a go-giver. So maybe could you explain in the context of the book, what does it mean to be a go-giver? So, yeah, so let's look at that because it, it's kind of more that it's, it, it, that it's about going from being a go-taker to a go-giver. Uh, you know, of course, it always de depends on how you define terms. And so, you know, we see a go-getter because people have been taught to be a go-getter, go out and get things done. Well, we love that. You know, John David Mann and I both say, we love go-getters because go-getters take action, right? And without action, I mean, you know, you can have the best thoughts, nicest ideas, best intent, nothing's gonna happen. So we want people to be go-getters, people of action and go-givers. Now, go-givers are people who are absolutely laser-focused on bringing or giving immense value to others in everything they do, okay? So when you combine being a go-getter and a go-giver, wow, that's a great combination. We would say be both a go-getter and a go-giver, just don't be a go-taker because what's a go-taker? Now, that's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take from, you know, from, from others without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation itself. And it's very difficult for a, a go taker to have a really sustainably successful business. Don't get me wrong. They can have some success, um, but it's, it's really hard to keep it up because it hasn't been, been built on foundational principles, which, which, kind of brings people together with you working together, right? Uh, because go takers by the very nature of the thing, they're in it for themselves and they're usually in it by themselves. Uh, and it's not that there aren't go takers that, that don't sustain a, a really healthy living. There are those who do, but it's a lot of work. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and you got to just repeat that process again and again and again. Um, And you, you typically don't have loyal customers. You certainly don't have that, that network of personal walking ambassadors who are sending business uh, your way. So, um, so yeah, that, that's really, I think, 
was Joe, the protege in the story. That was really Joe's journey from being, you know, going from a go-getter who was also a go-taker to being a go-getter who was also a go-giver. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I said it wrong in the beginning. It's no, not- you, you, you didn't. You didn't say it, say it wrong. I think really that if there was one thing in the book that I would have changed, you know, and this is in in um, uh, hindsight because I didn't, sure. I did, certainly didn't see it at the beginning. I, I wish we would have explained that. Now we in the mm-hmm. in the revised version we do explain it in the discussion guide part. Okay, but. But I, I it, it needed to be told, I think, in the story that, that you know, when, when Gus said to Joe, I'll, I'll tell you, Joe, one thing about you is you're a real go-getter. And Joe said, oh, thank you. And, and Gus said, don't thank me yet. I think that kind of implied that being a go-getter wasn't a good thing. So, no, that's not on you at all. I, I think that's on us. Um, but well, I'm always glad to be able to explain that, though, to clarify, yeah. I guess, is... Yeah, as I said, thanks for clarifying it. That uh, makes a lot of sense. So being a go-giver is, um, in your book, you talk about the five stratospheric laws of success, and that's what being a go-giver is all about. So could you maybe give a quick review of the five laws that you share in the book? Sure. So the laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Uh, law number one, which says your true worth the, the, is the law of value the, that says the your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. You know, when you first hear that, it you know it sounds sort of counterintuitive. Uh, give more in value than I take in payment. That sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, doesn't it, right? So we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the um, relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be, you know, be glad they did. So uh, while, of course, you make a very healthy profit. So I, I, I always like to take the example of, a, of an accountant who you hire to do your taxes. And this accountant charges you a thousand dollars or or pounds or or pesos or euros or whatever the the currency happens to be. Uh, And, uh, you know, that's her, her fee, literally her, her price. But, but what does she, um, what does she give you in exchange, right? In value that makes it so worthwhile. So let's say uh, through her hard work, her diligence, her getting to know you and your company and what you're looking to accomplish and, and all the work she does, she's able to save you 5,000, uh, can we just say dollars just to use one, you know, $5,000. Sure. Uh, she saves you $5,000 that, you know, you wouldn't know how to save yourself. You're not, you know, her, you're not an accountant. She also saves you countless hours of time. And she also provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she is actually given you well over $5,000 in value 
in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. She gave you more in value than she took in payment. So you feel great about it, while she also made a very healthy profit because it was worth it to her to exchange her time, her energy, her knowledge, and so forth for this this $1,000. So, but here's the key. This took place, this exchange took place between the two of you, not because she was focused on her, her fee. She was focused on the immense value she was providing you, okay? The, the fee she received was simply the result. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value right? It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means the the value, the focus must be on the value you're providing another person. That's where the focus has to be. The money you receive is simply a natural result of the value you provided. And that's that's basically law number one. It certainly goes deeper. There's more to it than that, but, but that's, that's a start. Simply understanding that in every uh, exchange, your focus has to be on the overall ultimate experience you are providing them. The money just follows that. Mm. Um, That's law number one. Law number two is the law of compensation. This says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So for example, your accountant in the first example did a great job of giving you more in value than she took in payment. Uh, So if you're her client, the chances are that you are very happy with her, you would do business with her again, and you would refer her to others. Well, her other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing that army or that network of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow and grow. Law number three is the law of influence. This says your influence is determined by um, how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, you know, again, this sounds counterintuitive, counter, counterproductive, probably maybe even Pollyanna-ish. And yet, you know, the, the greatest leaders, top influencers, the most sustainably highest money earning salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking out for the interests of the other person. Now, let me clarify one thing, if I may, because I, this is very important, and I think it's very easy to, to misunderstand. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat mm-hmm. or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding, as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of, of business, of sales, what have you, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus, a focus on others, looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors, advised Joe, to make your win all about the other person's win. Law number four is the law of authenticity. This says the 
most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in this part of the story, Deborah Davenport, the mentor, she, she shared a very important lesson that she learned in her sales career. And that is that all the skills in the world, the uh, sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as those all are, and they are all indeed very, very important, they're also they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Mm. But, but when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after, people feel very comfortable with you. People feel very safe with you. Why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. And this type of consistency is very, very important because people, they demand, you know, we live in an inconsistent world, right? And so in order to trust, there's got to be consistency. They've got to know who you are and what they can expect from you. And that's a big part of being authentic. See, I think in a sense these days, the, the term authenticity has been, I think misdefined in, in, on an unconscious level. When you hear people talk about being authentic, so often it's, well, this is just who I am and that's it. And I'm going to say and do whatever I want and, you know, whatever. And whoever doesn't like it, too bad. Well, you know, that's a good philosophy if you don't want to have any good relationships and probably don't want to be very successful in business. You know, uh, some people seem to get away with it, but it's less because that's what they do than that, than the fact that they're very brilliant business people. But, you know, for most of us, that's just not a good sustainable strategy. And it's not a lot of fun either because it means we're really not being uh, ourselves. Uh, you know, so, you know, this would be like, let me give you an example. It's the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, uh, that wouldn't be authentic of me. Uh, that's baloney. That's, that's malarkey. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hogwash. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, what it really means is this person has an authentic problem. Okay. That they need to authentically work on in order to become a better higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. So authenticity should never be used as an excuse to stop growing. Instead, it should be used as impetus to step into the, the highest version of ourself that, that we can be. I would describe authentic, I would define authenticity very simply, okay? I would say that authenticity is acting congruently with your values. I think that's what authenticity really is. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. You know, it doesn't mean you can be just nasty to people or whatever, because you feel like it because that's authentically how you feel at the moment. You know, I mean, you can, you can do anything you want. But I don't think that's really being authentic. I don't think that's very productive. But when you do say is what I'm about to, to say or do, is this congruent with my values, with my value system? And we can measure it against that. Now I think we have a good chance of really showing up authentically. And then law number five is the law of receptivity. And the law of receptivity simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. This is really nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you know, you breathe out, 
you also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other, right? You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving. You breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are really, you know, so, so often in today's world, it's, giving and receiving are looked at as opposite concepts. That's, that's the message the world around us gives us. If you look at the, the abundance of anti-prosperity messages, which sounds like one of those strange plays and words, an abundance of scarcity, right? Messages. Uh, there's so many anti-prosperity messages in terms of abundance, in terms of money, in terms of business, uh, that it's very easy to to kind of get into that, you know, that, that and, and again, it's always unconscious that, that feeling like, well, if I make a lot of money, I must have done something wrong, or I must have stepped on someone's toes, or I must have done something nefarious, or I must, right? That's the message that, you know, and it's so wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who do bad things and make money. That's the way of the world, and that should be prosecuted and persecuted and so forth. Um, but, you know, most of us, are those of us who work in a... Um, uh, I guess more of a free market environment. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with us, right? The only way we can make a lot of money is pleasing others. The only way we can make a lot of money is to provide extraordinary value to the lives of lots of people, placing their interests first. Why place their interests first? Because they're not buying for our reasons, right? They're buying for their reasons. So of course it's about their interests and then coming at it authentically, and then being willing to receive. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work together in tandem. Now, what we know is that the, the giving comes first. This is universal law. These are laws of nature, both human nature and physical nature. Uh, we, we, we plant before we harvest not the other way around, right? We sow before we reap. We give value before we receive value, which might be in the form of money or another, another way. Um, so, you know, that's something that, uh, that I, I, I think is really necessary to grasp because that's the one thing that holds so many people back. And again, the insidious thing is it's unconscious. Nobody goes out there saying, oh, I think I'll sabotage myself from making money today. No, they don't do that consciously, but unconsciously, if if they've had if they've accepted the the lack messages that have been given to them forever, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden they're they're creating wonderful value in the world and money's starting to come to them, but they're kind of unconsciously resisting it. Well, does this mean I did something bad? Will people judge me? Will I lose my friends? Will I, right? Then you, what do you do? You start sabotaging unconsciously, and you, you know, you you, you kind of set yourself up for failure. So all the laws, the the part about the giving and the part about the receiving, they're all they're they're all important. That's totally right. Yeah, awesome how you broke down all the laws. Thanks so much for that. My and pleasure. you you quickly touched on that the go giver philosophy is congruent with human nature. What do you mean with that? Because you also said that some of the things yeah. are counterintuitive. So sure. yeah, can you maybe explain 
what you mean with it um, being congruent yeah. to human nature? Great question. And I think it, it's, it, it aligns with human nature in, in two areas. One is, and, and we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but, but it's very important to understand that, that in Dale Carnegie, uh, I, I read this first in Dale Carnegie's 1937 classic, I think it was 1937, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where, and this I believe was the underlying premise of his entire, his entire book. It's where he wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. Okay. Mm. This is human nature. Okay. The biggest mistake we can make is think that somebody's going to do something that they're going to buy from us or that they're going to do something for, for our reasons. No, they're going to do it for their reason. Now their reason might be, they just feel, you know, uh, feel better about themselves for doing it. It might not be financial at all. It might, you know, we need, we ask someone for directions and they feel good about giving us directions right there, but that's also their reason because they'd feel better about it's more congruent with their values. Right. Um, but, but taking it more to a sales context, I often will start, you know, my talks when I speak to, to corporate sales groups by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota <laughs> to meet, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money because you want the sale to take place, or even just because you're a really nice human being, they're going to buy from you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. That's human nature. Now, this is great news for the person who conducts business the go-giver way. Why? Because who's the go-giver focused on? The other person and their interests, right? So that's why there's nothing self-sacrificial about placing their interests first. Their interests, placing their interests first is the only way to have a profitable, sustainable business because they're the person you've got to please, okay? Mm. Now, there's also one other element of human nature, and that's this that while people are self-interested, okay? And you say, well, but in sales, doesn't that kind of, you know, hurt because that makes it so you're not interested in the other? Well, it would. So that's why it's important to, to say that, yeah, we're self-interested maybe, but we're going to suspend that self-interest in order to be other interested, be focused on the other person's interest. Okay. But here, so, but that's, so one element of human nature is our own self-interest. That's not the good news in this case, but here's the good news. There's all, it's also human nature to want to be a valuable part of the world. Mm -hmm. It's also human nature to want to feel like you're making a contribution. It's human nature to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. Now, as entrepreneurs, <clears throat> We tend to express that desire, okay, through our business, through our products and services. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be involved in some other type of, the, you know, charity or some other kind of, of course. But we tend to really express that desire, that desire to, to add value to the world. We do that mainly through our business. That's human nature also. And so it does mean that, that yeah. We do want to go out there and be interested in that person. We do want to make a difference in their lives. We want that person's life to be better just by being part of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you touched on, especially entrepreneurs, that with their businesses, they want to give to the world. So would you say that the go-giver way 
is just for entrepreneurs or can other people, people who are employees, maybe, could they also apply this to their career or life? Yeah, I mean, they basically have to in a way because, and they may not be entrepreneurs in terms of starting a business, but they may be intrapreneurs, right? So they, uh, an entrepreneurial mindset within someone else's business. Why do they need to do that? Well, just like, remember, we talked about nobody's going to buy from you because, you know, you have a quota to meet. Well, nobody's going to hire you and pay you and keep paying you to show up for, for work because you have a mortgage payment to meet or because you want to send your kid to a good school or because you want to buy a whatever, right? They're going to, they're going to hire you because they believe you're going to bring more value to them, right? Than what they're paying. Um, they're going to keep you because you're proving to keep bringing more value to them than what they're, what they're paying. Now, of course, as a, as a business owner, they also need to provide value to you. There's the monetary value they're providing, but a smart uh, leader is also going to provide uh, additional training. Uh, they're going to provide, they're going to make it a, a workplace where you feel good about yourself, good about the job, the company, where you feel as though um, they care about you because they do, right? And so the more value they give you, in exchange, in, which includes both financial as well as those other elements, uh, in exchange for the value you're providing them, again, both parties win. Both parties come come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I think one more thing that's important in the book is mentorship, because the main character of the story, Joe, he learns a lot of these. Oh, he learns all of the laws from his mentors. So right. for young people who want to kind of have someone they can ask questions who, or who can help them find their way, how mm -hmm. can young people find a mentor and maybe what's something they should or shouldn't do when trying to find one? Yeah, I, I mean, a great question. I think that the first thing that you probably shouldn't do is approach someone and just say, you know, if you don't have a relationship with them first, is just to approach them and say, hey, will you be my mentor? Or I need a mentor, will you be mine? Or, uh, why? Because first, the chances are, if this is someone you want to have mentor you, probably other people ask them the same thing. And they don't have, you know, they don't have the time to just be able to do that for, for everyone. So when you just say, will you be my mentor? You might be coming across as, someone who feels entitled, you know, you're basically asking them to share 30 or 40 years of their experience with you, right? And, you know, to be your mentor. And, and so they may see you as someone who they don't necessarily take seriously like that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's sort of like asking someone to get married instead of first asking them out on a date. You know, it's a relationship. It's a mentor-protege relationship is a relationship. It takes time to develop. The good news is this, you can pretty much ask anyone, even before you have a relationship with them, you know, you can introduce yourself to them and you can let them know you admire their work and you can say, you know, I'm wondering and I, yeah, if this is something that you either don't have the time to do or, 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 or even the inclination to do so, I'll absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, what have you done different by asking that? Okay, first, you showed respect 
for the process. You, you're communicating that you understand this is a big, it's not something you feel entitled to. This is a big ask. Uh, and, 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 and then what you've also done is you've given them an out or a back door. You've said, if this is something you don't have time to do, or for whatever reason would rather not, I'll absolutely understand. This is the, you know, the, 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 the out, that back door is so important because what it says to this person is, yes, they're really thinking of me. They're not going to waste my time. They, you know, respect the process and they, and, and, you know, typically the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they feel the need to take it because they have the confidence that you're right. That you, Okay. But here's the other thing you did. You, you ask them if you could, or you let them know that you'd like to ask one or two very specific questions. What this does is it tells them, okay, Here's a person who's not going to waste my time again, right? Here's a person who knows what they're looking for. Here's a person who has an agenda. When I say he has an agenda, I mean that in a good way. You know, not he has an agenda. No, he has an agenda. He knows, he or she knows what they want to ask. And so now this doesn't guarantee anything, but chances are really good when you ask, as we just went over, they're going to say, sure, you know, go ahead. How, how can I help you? Or they'll make a time to do that. Now, make sure that you first, you research them so thoroughly that you don't ask them anything that you could have learned through researching. Uh, obviously, it'd be not only a waste of time, but it's going to irritate them that you're asking someone that you, has something you could have already learned. Um, secondly, make sure you don't take up any more time than is necessary for them. You want them to know that when they speak with you, you know, you're, you're not, you're, you're going to be very uh, respectful of their time. Uh, when you end the conversation, just, you know, thank them profusely. I, I, you know, I, I will absolutely put this into, into, into um, action. And it would it be okay if I, um, you know, followed up on just, just to let you know how things are, are going. And they'll say, Oh, of course, sure. You know, whatever. Okay. Now that very day, as soon as you get off the phone or, or Zoom or in person, whatever it happens to be, I would write a handwritten personal thank you note, okay? Not a text, not an email, personalized handwritten thank you note that says, again, you know, dear Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so or, or Jack or Joanne, however the relationship's been established, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. Absolute gems of wisdom that I can't wait to apply right away. I'll let, you know, I'll, I'll keep in touch and let you know how things are, are going. Best regards on it. Put it in our envelope, hand stamp it, send it out. It's going to impress them. It's going to make a huge difference. You're probably the only one who, who has done that. What I'd also do is find out their favorite charitable cause or organization. And you can do that probably from looking them up online. But if not, you can always ask their administrative person and make a small, it doesn't have to be anything big, but make a small donation to that charity in their name. Okay, let's say they are, uh, they're on the board of directors, or they're just very much, you know, they're a supporter of the local animal shelter, okay, make a small donation in their name it'll get back to them. They'll be notified that somebody made a donation, right? You're not doing it to uh, kiss up to the person or anything, but again, just to show that your goal is to respect the process, that you appreciate them and you want to add value to them in a way that's meaningful to them and that you took the time to, you know, to, to discover that. 
uh, you do that now. Of course, you know, again, you're going to follow up with that person and have another conversation. And if it results in an ongoing mentor-protege relationship, great. If it doesn't, that's also great. Some people are one-time or two-conversation mentors, right? Uh, and that might happen several times. You ask different people, different... And then you might meet that person who ends up being your mentor long-term, right? So you, you never know. Um, but but that's how I would go about the process. I love that. That was very powerful, especially, as you said, the gestures you mentioned, like writing a handwritten note. It's not something that people do, especially these days. So right, you, I think right. you can really stand out by doing that. Mm -hmm. So as we're running out of time, I have one last question for you sure. since this show is called the power of books and it's all about highlighting how books can change our lives i'm curious which books maybe name two or three that have impacted your life the most hmm. i know that's a tough one <laughs> it is um one of them and please pardon my turning my back on you for a moment I would say this one right here that I have called The Secret of Selling Anything. It's by a gentleman by the name of Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E. It was actually published after he passed away. His wife found the hard drive of two, um, two small manuals he had put together uh, for his sales team when he was running a sales team. The best teaching, but you know, it's not just about selling. The first The first manual was all about understanding human nature. This to me is the most important study of all to understand human nature. Yes, books have been written on it. Wonderful books have been written on it, to, uh, on human nature. Uh, Robert Greene had one a couple of years ago that just came. I thought it was wonderful, fantastic. So this is a, a great book. It's very about this part of the book that I'm holding open is about, about understanding human nature you know, why people do what they do, the general psychological characteristics, feelings, behavioral traits of humankind as considered shared by all human. Who are we dealing with? Humans, right? So we under, need to understand it. Now, the second part of the book, right? The second is all about how to tie sales into the understanding of human nature. I did a uh, review of this book on my blog at Berg, burg.com slash blog. And if you put in uh, the secret uh, in the search, the secret of selling, it will come up to that article. And, and so you can get an overview of the, the book. This to me is one of the most uh, fantastic books ever. Now, one that is about to become one of my all-time favorites because I'm still reading it. Uh, it's called Living Untethered, uh, Beyond the Human Predicament by Michael A. Singer. He wrote the great books, Uh, the Untethered Soul, and um, The Surrender Experiment, which both were magnificent. This one's even better. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm just loving it. Uh, let's see. Another one. Uh, this one was written in 1900, I believe, called Peace, Power, and Plenty by Orson Sweat Martin. He's the founder of Success Magazine way back in the day. He was the original. And many people considered him the one of the real, you know, forerunners of the personal, the modern personal development movement. And this is a book, you know, you think about it in the title, 
peace. And he's talking about inner peace, right? Such an important gift. This is what living untethered, right, is all about too, right? Uh, power. Well, the power to control ourselves and master our own emotions, right? And then plenty, which is abundance, peace, power, and plenty. And every page just has gems, right? And of course, you know, we could talk about books forever and you do such a great job on, on Instagram and wherever you post, you do such a wonderful job of highlighting uh, books and, and the work you're doing is just, it's, it's really splendid because I think books are so important. You talk about mentors, mentorship, right? We can have mentors we've never met and who haven't been with us for many, many years. So, yeah. That's totally right. Yeah. And, and thank you so much for the, the compliment. And as I can see, if, if we compare bookshelves, you have read a lot more than I have. So the books you oh, mentioned- Oh, I'm a lot older. <laughs> and this is right, one small but... part of my library, believe me. But I'm oh, a lot older. You'll, you'll catch up. <laughs> Hopefully. Catch up. Yeah. But the books you mentioned, I haven't read any of them yet. So I definitely have something new for my list. And so I have the listeners. Thank you so much for sharing these. And I love- how you've worked with them because we can see all the notes if, if you're watching the video you can see all the notes sticking out so i love that <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show answering questions and sharing information and details about your book and oh, i love today's conversation it was awesome a lot of powerful advice you gave lots of powerful takeaways and to everyone who's listening to this and hasn't read the book yet I can only hold it in the camera once more. The Go-Giver <laughs> by Bob Burke and John David Mann. You should definitely check it out. There's a lot more wisdom and gems in there than we covered today. So thank you, Bob, and hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you, Timo. Bye-bye. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Power of Books podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with author Bob Burke. You can find the link to Bob's website and to the GoGiver community network in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe so you will get notified whenever a new episode drops. And it would be a huge help for us if you could give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Hopefully, I'll see you next week. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep growing. Bye-bye.